0: The COVID-19 pandemic leaving many wondering what comes next. The Omicron variant fading, case numbers and hospitalizations dropping. So is the pandemic over? That's just premature. Concerns continuing about new issues, both a sub-variant of Omicron. It's more transmissible
1: um, and you may or may not be completely
0: immune. And vast parts around the world still not vaccinated.
1: We don't have vaccine equity.
0: This is a K-Wilding News 13 original podcast conquering COVID. Hi again, I'm Andrew Capasso back with another episode of Conquering COVID. As we go into the third year of this global pandemic, exhaustion clearly growing exponentially from classrooms to homes to hospitals some looking forward at ways to get back to pre-pandemic life. As cases of the very transmissible Omicron variant died down, are we finally getting closer to letting our guard down a bit? It's great to welcome back Dr. Shad Marvasti from the University of Arizona College of Medicine to see what's next here as the Omicron variant fades fast. Great to have you with us again. Thanks for your time. My
1: pleasure. Thank you.
0: I want to talk about Omicron. Uh, We know cases are coming down here uh, we saw 20,000 cases a day about two weeks ago. This morning, it was just about 7,500. I say just, it's still a lot, but way down yeah. from where we were. At the same time, there's some concern about this subvariant now of Omicron. Not a big spread here. There are cases uh, across this country not moving fast, but it is in other spots. Is there a concern here, do you think?
1: The only concern is that it's more transmissible um, and you may or may not be completely immune, even if you had uh, the other version of Omicron, Um, but there's no indication that it's more serious. Um, In Denmark, where it's the dominant strain, they haven't seen any increases in hospitalization. And and in fact, they've seen a continued decline in hospitalizations, even though um, there's been some increase in the cases from the increased spread of the BA2 uh, subvariant. So I'm not concerned at this point from everything that it shows. Um, it just shows to be kind of like a weaker, more transmissible virus, which basically is the best case scenario, by the way, with pandemics and with viruses, is that as they become more infectious, more transmissible, they also become less lethal uh, and less deadly and less harmful. Uh, That's a general um, trend that we notice in virology. Um, which hopefully will hold up to be true here with this pandemic as well.
0: That's what I wanted to ask you. So we saw the first uh, the first version of, of COVID, and then we saw other words, then we saw Delta, which was pretty serious. Yeah. Not as bad. B2, again, not as bad. Is this a trend that we can expect to continue in this pandemic?
1: I think it's a likely trend. Um, whether or not we can fully expect this to continue remains to be seen. Um, I think it's very likely a couple of things that are gonna happen right now. The numbers are gonna continue to go down. Um, And even if the subvariant spreads um, in some of the case numbers still stay high, I think you're gonna eventually see a sustained decrease in hospitalizations. You'll also see a sustained decrease in deaths. That will probably stay for at least three months, I would say, if not longer, depending on if another variant comes up where this variant is not only more transmissible and can escape our um, immunity, either through natural immunity or through vaccine-induced immunity, but also um, it's something that is more serious. So there's different possibilities, right? So there's one possibility where you could get another variant that's more transmissible, but it really becomes just like the common cold because everyone's natural immunity or vaccine immunity is enough for the body to recognize it neutralize it and so what if you get sick it doesn't really matter because you don't actually get that sick right Mm -hmm. another possibility is that it could be a variant which is more transmissible um and uh, more serious but people who are fully vaccinated and boosted will, will not get really sick at all um and that's really what we've seen here with omicron right it could be something very similar to that but the gap between the folks who are unvaccinated and people who are fully vaccinated and boosted has continued to grow during Omicron, right? And spe- especially in like certain age groups, like we're above 65 in the month of December or 50 times, you know, unvaccinated people over the age of 65 were 52 times more likely to die um, than vaccinated people. Um, and then the third scenario, which would be the worst case scenario in terms of possibilities after Omicron, is if a, another variant comes that is not only more transmissible, but it also escapes all the known immunity. It's different enough that none of the immunity that we have right now can, can help us fight it. And it all it is also more serious and deadly, very similar to Delta. That would be the worst case scenario, which hopefully is um, less likely now because of how many people have been exposed yeah. to a version of the coronavirus in Omicron. But it's still something that is likely uh, a possibility that we can't rule out completely. And the reason why is because we don't have vaccine equity. We still need to have universal vaccination around the world. And as long as there's pockets, right, where did these variants come from? Where did Delta come from? Delta came from India at a time when India had less than 2% of its population fully vaccinated and they had no mask mandates and no public health mitigation measures, right? So it's kind of like, we have to have all of these things in place. You know, the, the best case scenario I think from a public health point of view would be is if we put in place vaccine requirements and mask requirements until such time as we got to 90% or more of the population being fully vaccinated, Uh, and everyone who could be boosted is boosted. And at that point, you can start, you know, allowing everyone to kind of do everything because, you know, then it's a fait accompli, everything is gonna be okay.
0: Partisanship, of course, a big part of this pandemic. Uh, It's one of the reasons we are where we are. You talk about mask and vaccine requirements, that's not gonna happen in many, many states, including Arizona, the governor has said it himself. Uh, With that said, we've got the mitigation measures, we've got masks if we want to use them, we've got the hand washing, we're not out of this pandemic. How important are those uh, measures? Because a lot of people are sick and tired of this pandemic.
1: Yeah, I understand that people are tired of it. And I think we may be able to be a little bit more free. Um, I would say like, you know, in the next about three or four weeks from now, as the numbers continue to come down from Omicron, and hopefully we have some time when there's you know, relative peace immunity. And maybe that lasts indefinitely, right? Again, we don't know, like I said, the three different possibilities. I still think it's a good idea, um, definitely at this point, to still wear masks indoors in public spaces. I mean, it's really not that much of an inconvenience. And I think that if everybody has access to them, you know, in terms of equity, then, um, and specifically the high quality ones, it's a good idea to do it. I mean, I plan on continuing to wear my mask Indoors and public spaces, Um, especially in, you know, if I go to the grocery store, um, I personally do not dine in restaurants and I won't probably for a little while still. We haven't during this whole pandemic, but we do regularly go and dine in patios. And thankfully, we have the weather we can do that here in Arizona. I I think it's sensible to continue some of those. Um, We have to realize that no one really in public health right now is advocating for any kind of lockdown. I think part of the false political narrative is that it's there's a quote unquote lockdown lobby and there is no lockdown lobby there's just a group of concerned citizens public health officials physicians healthcare workers who want to have mitigation measures in place so that we can keep schools open we can keep businesses going right and we can protect everyone at the same time
0: I want to ask you one more as we start to look at omicron here in the rearview mirror a new survey says a third of people. Asked, say we may not be done with this pandemic until next year, if at all. I wanted to get your thoughts on when we don't call this a pandemic anymore, and even if it really matters, what we call it.
1: Yeah. So, so just some uh, terms in epidemiology and public health, right? So we've got epidemic, right, and we've got pandemic, and then we've got endemic. Okay. So an epidemic usually starts uh, an epi- endemic. Basically, is the common um, phrase there for each of these words, which basically is talking about the spread of disease. An epidemic is the spread of a disease over or upon a, an area. So it's like a contained area. Like you could have an epidemic in um, a county. You can have it in a state. Right. Um, once that spreads further, right, to include a whole country or the whole world, then it becomes a pandemic. Pan means all, just like panacea is a cure all, so pan means all, the prefix pan means all. Right now we're in that pandemic phase. Then what happens in pandemics, okay, very similar to the influenza pandemic, right, in 1918, um, after a few years, pandemics eventually become endemic. And when they become endemic, that means they're only contained within and they're part of societies. And they're not just, you're not getting large numbers of spread of new cases around the world, right? Spreading rapidly. And that's because the vast majority of people have some kind of immunity to them. In which case it's only affecting some people, a certain proportion of the population. So the flu is an example of something that was pandemic and then it became endemic and specifically became seasonally endemic, where every year it flares up during the winter, but it still only affects a portion of the population. Not everybody is um, susceptible to the flu, okay? So I think that that may be a likely scenario for, for um, the, you know, COVID-19, but there's people who are already declaring that it's already endemic, Uh, And that's just premature. We don't know which direction it's going to go. I mentioned the three possibilities. We need to look into the next three to six months and see which one of those possibilities turns out to be the case. I mean, arguably, you have to wait the whole 12-month cycle to see all the different seasons to see that you're not getting a new spike and a new surge. Because remember, even in the course of this pandemic, we've seen seasonal spikes, okay? So right now, we're going into a relatively dormant period. What's, what's happened like last winter was again, it was coming down around this time and then spring, right? March and April, May was basically like the low point. March, April, May was very nice in terms of numbers. And then Delta came right in the summertime. So I think we will have that period of a few months where things are gonna be really nice. And because of how many people have been exposed to Omicron um, and hopefully more people getting vaccinated and boosted, right, those two, and, and, and to the extent that people did, did get vaccinated and boosted, that's going to be what determines whether or not we're going to get another one or, or we're just going to move into the endemic
0: phase. So we are not done yet, but a, a lot of eyes to see what happens next. Dr. Shadmar Vasti, thank you so much. Great to talk to you as always. We'll talk to you soon.
1: My pleasure, Andrew. Thank you.
0: My thanks once again to Dr. Marvasti. Join us again next time when we go inside the classroom, masks, vaccines, and anxiety, big factors as those we depend on to teach our kids grow even more exhausted. That discussion next time on Conquering COVID, a KOLD News 13 original podcast. I'm Andrew Copasso.